0: Hail and well met. This is Jenna on behalf of Self Evident. Welcome to a very special bonus episode featuring two very special guests. Unfortunately, I am not joined by my fellow sisters, but recently we all did a podcast together where we covered the harms of the transgender movement and what it means to be a woman. However, since none of us contain a degree specifying that we are qualified to answer what is a woman, we decided that we must seek the answer to that question from folks with actual degrees, hence my two guests. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves, um, who you are, your degrees, and why we should listen to you as the lesser uneducated beings of the population.
1: Sure, uh, so my name's Tommy Findus. I am a uh, actually a high school science teacher, I teach biology and all the other sciences. Um, but my degree is in biology education from Trinity Christian College.
2: Okay, my name is James Zemhagen. I have a degree from Governor State University in pre-medicine biology. And I've been a biologist for the last year or so.
0: We just recently did a couple of reels for Instagram where you guys answered the question of what is a woman. But for the people who do not have Instagram here that are listen to this podcast, can you give us a quick summation? As biologists, what is a woman? And then maybe as Christian biologists, what is a woman?
1: Sure, so a uh, woman uh, typically would be a human female who possesses an XX chromosome, um, or XX chromosomes. Um, yeah, basically.
2: And my only caveat to that is I would just say that a a woman is a human individual which, possess, which lacks a Y chromosome. And the way that shows up, it's typically XX, like Tommy said, However, there are certain individuals with Turner syndrome, which is XO, which means that they're lacking a second X chromosome, or a Klinefelter syndrome, which is XXY, which means that they have an extra X chromosome. But basically, they function as either a male or female, depending on if they do or don't have that Y chromosome.
0: That's very interesting. So basically, it all depends on what sort of chromosomes you have.
2: Mm-hmm. And that can be found in every single cell in the body.
0: Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to... My introduction that was kind of a facetious way to open this podcast where I was saying that we can't qual- be qualified to answer this question because we don't have a degree in biology so I wanted to ask you guys do you have to be a biologist in order to answer the question?
2: I would say definitely not for example you don't need to be a botanist in order to know what grass is you don't need to be a biologist in order to know what a dog is it you shouldn't have to have a degree in order to look at basic characteristics of life
0: so basically all you need is common sense pretty much so i have several questions here and the first one that i wanted to ask you is as biologists what do you consider to be the difference between sex gender and gender identity like those three terms that are very very prevalent in our culture
1: Mm. yeah so sex and gender are the same thing um I actually did a deep dive on the etymology of gender, where the word came from. Um, and interestingly enough, we don't know when the word originated um, because the the term, well, G-E-N-E, the sound gene, originates from Proto-Indo-European, which is 4000 BC. Um, Very but interesting. comes then to Latin. Um, and in Latin, they had the word genus, meaning something like kind, but also including the meaning of... Uh, biological sex moves from there to French which then moves to English in the 1400s meaning biological uh, actually sorry in the 1300s it meant just a kind of thing but then in the 1400s in English it then meant biological sex Um, from then to 1963 it always meant biological sex
0: so when people say that they, their gender identity is such and such, basically what they're saying is their biological sex is such and such?
1: So with, with what we have now, a lot of people just try to bring some confusion and say that your gender is not your sex, but is the way that society views you or the way that you present yourself to society. So um,
0: they've kind of taken over the definition of the word gender.
1: Sure, which has been synonymous with sex for, what, 500 years?
0: So you just answered my other question was is biology related to sex which i'm pretty positive it is if we have to ask you guys what is a woman um so what biological factors determine sex or if we were to find a skeleton from a thousand years ago why can we tell it is male or female
2: so that part mainly goes on to the bone structure and basically just there are slight differences in the skeletal structure between an adult male and adult female, uh, for example, the pelvic bone is a little bit different. Uh, you can tell because women's um, pelvis is more designed to deliver children, whereas men, not so much. Very sexist um, of you. <laughs> and then the other thing is, women's bones tend to be a little bit smoother because, for men's bones, there's a lot more kind of bone growth where there's muscular attachment. Okay. And so they'd end up being more rough or lumpy bones. Um, however, these differences aren't as clearly seen for uh, individuals who are, pre, who are pu- pre-puberty when they died. And... That just shows that once the sex hormones kick in, right around puberty, is when a lot of those changes occur.
0: Got it. So you would basically say that that would require intelligent design for them to be. You can tell from the bones that one's male, one's female.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, when we talk about the origin of um, sexual reproduction, um, from an evolutionary perspective, it's it's a very weird way that they come about. This, um, as James talked about, you know a a probably more robust definition i would say of a woman would be somebody who lacks the y chromosome right um because people like turn with turner syndrome can exist um and we wouldn't say that that's a man we'd say that's definitely a woman um and so when they come about it from an evolutionary perspective it gets real weird because of the way that they talk about the y chromosome in particular um okay. as some weird conglomerate of stuff that can you give us an example um Basically, if you sequence the Y chromosome and look at how it looks, it's 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 a lot smaller than all not all than the X chromosome. It's tiny compared, um, and the the way that the sequences are arranged, it is very odd, um, almost scrambled. Um, and so their idea is that somehow this Y chromosome came from some other conglomerate of things a long time ago. But I mean. Like you said, with intelligent design, it makes absolutely no sense that one gigantic chromosome would somehow miraculously rearrange into some other chromosome that just so happens to produce a whole different body that is able to give its, exactly give the correct cell that would meet up with an egg than to produce a viable offspring.
0: Yeah, that, I don't understand evolution. I just don't. So I wanted to ask you, um, this is kind of changing the subject a little bit, with our culture right now, the it's basically the age of transgenderism. Everybody is, uh, it's very, very prevalent, especially in Generation Z. Um, so there's such things as gender-affirming therapists that would prescribe puberty blockers that would uh, recommend uh, getting surgeries to remove healthy body parts. Someone had asked me to ask you guys, uh, what are the ramifications of taking off a healthy body part?
2: So first talking about removing a healthy body part, a great way to look at it is for what is considered what's called top surgery. So top surgery is either the addition of tissue to help make the chest look more like female breasts, or to reduce them to look more like a male's chest. And so going from, let's say, a female trying to do a double mastectomy, so that's remove both of her healthy breasts, and there are a a ton of things that could go wrong. I mean, aside from just a lot of people deal with a lot of hormonal changes, because it just (laughs) can cause a lot of problems, in addition to just the extensive nature of the surgery. There's also a lot of, um, aside from psychological and emotional side effects can occur based on the hormonal changes. uh, With any surgery, there are complications and problems that can be bleeding weeks afterwards. There can be infections that can occur. There could just be just a a plethora of problems that can go across it, which is why people, even when they're dealing with breast cancer, it's considered kind of a, a more major step to, go the double mastectomy route. so And that's in a case where the breast tissue is actively not healthy and being removed would actually alleviate a lot of problems. They still have to do that process very cautiously and carefully. So when you take some breast tissue that's completely healthy and has no reason to be removed, and especially when you're talking about individuals who are too young to be able to consent to getting a tattoo on their body. Mm -hmm. It's just absolutely unfathomable how we can allow these children to make these decisions for themselves. And even for adults, there are a myriad of side effects and results that can come from that, that a lot of the people aren't adequately informed about and the permanent nature of their decisions.
0: When is the brain fully developed? Uh,
2: it depends what you mean by fully developed because a lot of things. So how shouldn't.
0: how about the cognitive part?
2: The frontal lobe is still developing at age 25. Correct.
0: So if you have to have a license to drive a car and if you have to have functional cognitivity to be able to be on the roads and whatnot, and then even, even then your brain's not fully developed. Yeah, it does seem very, very odd that we would allow children to be making these decisions for themselves.
1: And with that too, um, the interesting thing is a lot of research has been done on whether people, well, whether children that have gender dysphoria will actually persist with gender dysphoria once they reach puberty. And um, from what we've found, in, in males, it tends to be a rate of about um, I think 2.2 to 30%, depending on the study. I mean, it's okay. a wide range. Um, but let's, say, let's take 30% as the largest. Right. 30% of little boys will continue to have gender dysphoria once they, once they reach puberty.
2: Would you I, mind defining the term gender dysphoria for those who might not be familiar with it? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, so when I'm talking about gender dysphoria, it's generally what we would think of as somebody who would consider themselves transgender nowadays. Um, somebody who would thinks si- that
0: a woman is trapped in their body of a boy or exactly. a girl. Exactly. In
1: exactly. Right. So it's a it's a cognitive issue. Um, it, it is a psychological thing. Not not studies are showing that it's it doesn't seem to have many, if any biological um, prerequisites, Um, but let's say 30% of uh, little boys at the most would continue to have gender dysphoria once they reach puberty. Um, So you're telling me that, you know, a 12-year-old boy who is, you know, wrestling with this idea, we're going to pump him full of hormones and a bunch of different stuff, uh, you know, try to stop his puberty and mess with things that we actually don't have much research on um, for this specific usage, I should say. There's um,
0: no long-term studies on what this does to you. Uh,
1: right. Um, and, and we're going to do that when there's a 70% chance at the least that he will resolve this issue by the time he reaches puberty. Um, doesn't seem like it makes any sense to me.
0: So that led into my next question, which I was puberty blockers for kids and hormone therapy for transgender patients. And it kind of seems like as your perspective as a biologist, it doesn't seem like a good idea for the kids... Well, number all their physical safety, their effectiveness, and long-term side effects. We don't know.
2: And then I would say the final problem with something like gender dysphoria, a lot of the time it is it can be associated with a type of body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. which is essentially where you are convinced your body is something that it's not. Uh, for example, typically when we're talking about body dysmorphia, we mean of someone who Uh, thinks that they are overweight and they need to lose weight when in actuality they are either at a normal size or even sometimes underweight. Uh, Well, it's a similar thing with gender dysphoria because when you're convinced that you are not the biological sex that all of your DNA says you are, it creates this very problematic environment in which you're constantly trying to essentially overcompensate for that and a lot of the way people do this initially how they would treat this is they would kind of counsel people work psychologically and basically try to get them to no longer feel like they were a different gender or sex than they actually were whereas what ends up happening with the gender affirming therapies is what they're doing is saying you are actually completely correct that is who you are let us do all this extra work all these um, surgeries and hormone therapies and puberty blockers depending to convince on what age you they are. As
0: who you to convince yourself exactly. to be exactly
2: and what's going to end up happening is if you actually look at the rates of suicide for the transgender community they're astronomically high. It could be for a few reasons. Some of the main ones are obviously when you add in a bunch of hormones that your body isn't used to dealing with at high levels it can cause psychological problems that we aren't we might not be expecting. But then furthermore, when you're trying to spend the rest of your life doing all these extra things to convince yourself you're something you're not, part of your mind will continue to know that this is not reality. And because of that, you will have this perpetual cognitive dissonance that continues to cause you distress. And with every hormone therapy you need to do, with every injection you need do, with every pill you need to take you will forever be chasing something that you can never attain because you simply cannot change your DNA to remove those chromosomes to make you truly become a male or a female.
0: With the example that you used in the beginning uh, to compare gender dysphoria to, that would be called anorexia, correct?
2: Uh, yeah, so when I specifically mentioned, yeah.
0: All right, so anor- anorexia is considered a disorder.
2: Mm-hmm. A psychological disorder precisely.
0: So why isn't this considered a disorder? It
2: is <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh... it's still classified as a disorder hence body dysmorphia
0: So basically just what's happening in culture right now is people are trying to make it not
2: Currently it is still listed as a disorder But the way we solve the disorder is by affirming it.
0: Got
1: it.
2: So now that it is true You no longer have gender dysphoria because you are now that new gender. So problem solved
1: Right. I, I actually, the the most up-to-date version I have is from 2013, um, but it is listed still as a psychological disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, um, which is really like the, the a gigantic book of all the mental disorders that most psychologists or psychiatrists will reference when they're looking through mental disorders.
0: Got it. Very, very interesting. Now I'm going to switch topics real quickly to something similar, but Planned Parenthood, which is one of the biggest abortion providers in the country, they maintain that there's a lot more to being male, female, or any gender than the sex assigned at birth. And the organization also contends that biological or assigned sex does not always tell the complete story. So what is your response to that?
2: So first off, in regards to, to use their terms, the assigned sex at birth, not telling the complete story. The only point in which I would agree with them is from the standpoint of, obviously, your experience as a woman or as a male differs not only nation to nation, not only state to state, but even just region to region or what area you grew up in. Essentially, what it means to be a woman socially versus what it means to be a woman biologically. Biologically speaking, it is as simple as presence or absence of a Y chromosome. But And then there's a lot of other characteristics and features that go along with that but it if you are missing any one of those other features that doesn't make you not a woman for example women who have hysterectomies they are still very much women because they still lack a y chromosome so they are still biological females but obviously a lot of the time what they end up doing is they switch they shift this conversation into talking what it means to be a woman socially and that is completely variable culture to culture region to region nation to nation
1: yeah uh and when, when it comes to the biological aspect um something that you'll find often and i, I kind of mentioned this before is people try to make things really confusing and then in that confusion they will use that as their platform then to say well see you don't understand and because of that I'm right. They,
0: they take advantage of the confusion in order to say, see, I have the answers.
1: Exactly. And so when it comes to the biological aspect, as James put it, it does simply boil down to do you have a Y chromosome or not? Um, but what they do is they dive into the weeds because the, the normal progression uh, of female or male anatomy development goes from, firstly, the chromosomes. Secondly, it would be the primordial gonad when they're forming within, you know, the uterus. Um, then we've got a prenatal hormonal environment in which um, the males tend to have more andro- androgens um, in the environment. Females would have less. Um, but the males also have a production of a Mullerian uh, suppressant system thing where um, they suppress female production uh, of parts. Um, and then after that we've got so we got the prenatal, prenatal hormonal environment we also have the internal reproductive system and then the external reproductive system so what people are looking at is they're saying see you have some weird things in there that go on you know what if what if the man had less androgens in there does that make him now a woman well the basis for all of this is the chromosomes that is the primary thing all of the rest of these have to do with function you know it's almost uh, an example say you go to a library Um, and we have two types of books, books that have, uh, periods at the end and books that have, uh, exclamation points at the end. Um, but the only way we know how these, which, which ones these books have is by the person reading them, right? So somebody reads these books and they either express using periods or they express using exclamation points. let's say you get somebody who reads it as if it's exclamation points, but they're really periods inside. Would you say, oh, that's confusing? This book must actually have, you know, periods in it, but I don't know what it is. That's how I see it. Right. If you see that it has periods in there, then you would say the the one reading it is the one who's wrong. In the same way, biologically, your proteins or the environment, something else might be messed up. But at the base of it, all it matters is what's in that book. What's in that DNA. And that's what tells us what it's supposed to be
0: i wanted to go back to james's point and this kind of ties into what you were saying there's two ways to see a woman there's you know socially which is how the culture identifies a woman and then there's biologically would i be correct in saying that right now our culture in general they see a woman as relative it it all depends on how you feel
2: yes because ultimately what it comes down to is once you say that that is a subjective thing because obviously, if it is something you can change, and even though some biological characteristics like your chromosomes are not changing, they have to become extremely subjective with what it means to be a woman. However, one thing you'll find very interesting is you can have a woman who a, a biological female who dresses in all masculine clothes, yeah, uh, very much of a tomboy, very does all the masculine things. And at the end of the day, she is still a biological female. But what you'll notice with most of the transgender women, what they end up doing is they tend to wear a lot of lipstick and wear dresses and wear all these things that are stereotypically female things because what they're trying to do is essentially overcompensate for the fact that biologically speaking, genetically speaking, on a DNA level they are not women. and so they're, they're just
0: donning woman face.
2: Exactly, precisely so. And kind of just going a little bit more to the point we were making in which the person reading the book would be wrong and not the book itself. If you were to use it, if you're looking at the standpoint of a disorder such as schizophrenia, in a lot of schizophrenia, they have these hallucinations where they truly and do see these things that are in, the, in their environment. Uh, so it could be such as, Uh, People are out to hurt them or that there's a giant conspiracy against them for um, paranoid schizophrenics. And that is not reality. They are living in their own literal delusions of reality. And with gender dysphoria, it's a very similar thing. But obviously their delusion is more self-oriented of what their actual biological sex is as opposed to schizophrenia, schizophrenics, which is more of an outside thing.
0: How harmful is this view in our culture that you can change genders, the, the fluidity of sex in general? How harmful is it from your standpoint?
1: I would say hugely. In, in the world of biology, I would say it doesn't matter as much as people might think it does. I mean, if you want to say, you know, somebody with an XY is a woman, sure, I mean, go ahead. But I think it goes down to something deeper than science, but just basic truth. Um, it's it's more than a scientific problem. I would say it's a problem of, you know, society and the way that we understand what reality is. You know, if we're going to be able to say this hard fact is actually, you know, not or whatever you think it is, you know, th- then.
2: What matters we- anymore. Exactly. So a great example of kind of where this ends up leading is once you are acknowledging that your own personal interpretation of yourself is above biological characteristics. Uh, you get into situations like what happened, there's a situation in Canada in which uh, a man who was in his 60s at the time was on a variety of some dating apps and wanted to put his age as 40s because he wasn't getting the matches he was looking for. So what he did was he actually appealed to say that he he believes that you're as young as you feel. And so he identified as a 40-year-old. Of course. Well, the Canadian judge said that, no, that's not okay, because he knew that was a terrible precedent to set. Because once you could say you can literally legally change your age, you're as young as you feel, and that's just been completely subjective, it would completely mess with birth rec- records. It would mess with a bunch of other of our standard aspects of society, of retirements, of when you can work, of when you can drive.
0: That, and it would be such a headache for government officials as well.
2: Yeah, Exactly. It's just it adds so many ridiculous things because when you're taking an objective fact of when you were born or what your biological sex is or what your race is and you're completely changing that, Once you do it in one category, you don't have a justification for not doing it in the other ones. So I'm from the standpoint that if you're saying that a man can become a woman, then you also have to say that a 60-year-old can become a 40-year-old on a whim. And same thing with, like, for example, there was the one head of, oh, God, I can't remember the name of the organization, but it was an organization for um, African-Americans, and she was a white woman. But she was able to rise to the ranks because she I, had been deceiving everyone, claiming that she was actually, indeed, an African American woman. Really? Yes, Rachel. I, I don't recall her last name. Mm-hmm. But what finally ended up happening is it came out that she's actually lying. That wasn't the case. She tried to just double down. And she said, "Well, I identify as an African American woman, and so therefore sort of I can like so Liz Warren exactly." And she did, I, but at least with Elizabeth Warren, she did have the, like... One
0: 1,024. Yes, exactly.
2: Her, her great-great-great-great-grandmother once met someone who claimed they're Native American. Yeah. Um. So, but at least she had some sort of backing where she was saying, like, oh, this is what I was talking about. But obviously, it was she's still completely blue proportion. She should not have gotten any sort of financial support because of that minuscule amount of Native American heritage. But so with this woman, she was a very prominent person in this organization. And she did it completely through just lying. And when it came out and then she got in trouble, she even tried to identify um, saying that her like parents were actually African-American because she identif- she claimed that they were. Her parents came forward and were like, we're from Europe. And they're very much not African-American. So basically all of that to say there is a variety of ramifications socially because once you're saying that truth can be subjective, especially for biological characteristics such as race, sex, and age, then it's all it all becomes meaningless. That's what it all comes down to. It becomes meaningless. And once you throw that line out, there's nowhere left to draw the line.
0: And what is the foundation of biology? Who said that when you have an XX chromosome or an XY chromosome that defines that you're a man and that you're a woman, why should we care?
1: I mean, simply put, uh, it goes back to the garden. You know, God made it that way. Um, He said that's the way it is. You know, he made man. Out of man, he made woman. Um, which also would make sense. You know, I talked about the evolutionary perspective before. I mean, we don't really see any plausible way to produce a Y chromosome from an X chromosome. And that's what evolution would have us believe. Um, but if you had somebody who was XY, it's pretty easy then to get an X and another X. Um, you know, so if God made Adam, um, and then he made Eve and they were different. And you'd say, uh, as I've heard put before, gloriously different, um, For a specific purpose to have children and to um, You know show a picture of what it's like with our relationship between mankind and God
0: What advice do you have for parents who may have a child who wants to transition to another sex?
2: So at that point again, if they are dealing with a gender dysphoria, I would I mean the typical best route to go is Finding a therapist that is not a gender affirming therapist
0: So if they have those two words in front of their name, just run for the hills
2: Essentially uh, because basically what it comes down to is the gender, kind of going back to what we mentioned earlier, gender affirming therapy, what ends up happening with that is you spend the rest of your life trying to convince yourself and everyone around you that you are something that you're not. Um, and you get ridiculous ca- situations in which was well, that one woman who went viral, I should say that one uh, transgender woman who went viral, who was called sir. And he it's said, ma'am. it's ma'am. Because you, what you end up noticing is that th- for the rest of their life, they're overcompensating. For example, most people I know, or I should say most cisgender people I know, when they are misgendered, like accidentally called Miss or Sir or whatnot, they don't get violent and angry. You, you're setting yourself up for a lifelong battle of convincing yourself and the world you're something you're not. What you really need is a therapist who can kind of help you work through a basically where that's stemming from, um, healthy coping mechanisms, a good way to go through and just... Because if it's pre-puberty, there's a great chance that it will resolve itself as puberty comes. Um, but a lot of the time, those feelings of gender dysphoria come from a dislike of the idea of being a male or a female. And a lot of the times it can be because of trauma or could just because of a variety of other things
1: Mm. yeah and if i may add to that um number one i would say definitely be in prayer and number two um you know we've talked about gender affirming therapists right oftentimes what their idea is is to push puberty blockers specifically from a say the parents aren't you know on this whole transgenderism thing um for them it's actually pretty easy to be convinced why puberty blockers might be a good thing. Um, somebody might tell them, you know, you don't have to agree with it, but puberty blockers will give you more time to talk with your kid to figure this out.
0: It just pauses puberty. Exactly. That's the explanation. And
1: the, so many people will tell you it's reversible, but nobody ever in developmental biology will ever talk about something that's reversible. You know, we progress. Um, not, we don't go back in time. Um, actually, in a... An article I was reading from The New Atlantis, Um, a quote here says, We frequently hear from neuroscientists that the adolescent brain is too immature to make reliably rational decisions, but we are supposed to expect emotionally troubled adolescents to make decisions about their gender identities and about serious medical treatments at the age of 12 or younger, and we're supposed to expect parents and physicians to evaluate the risks and benefits of puberty suppression despite the state of ignorance in the scientific community about the nature of gender identity. Um, So I would tell you, number one, uh, don't go with puberty suppression. Um, Not a good idea, not a lot of good science, um, and lots of risks. Um, Other thing was prayer. Um, And third thing, I think you have to talk to them a lot. Um, Don't just let them go through by themselves. Like we've said, they've got lots of um, high rates of anxiety depression things like that um, and, and a lot of the times it's a um, relational issue um, so I would say to you know talk to your kids and Try to try to figure out where the problem actually lies
0: and is it true? I wanted to go back to what you were saying about puberty blockers. Is it true that I think it was the main The main drug that they use for puberty blocking is the same thing they they use for chemical castration for rapists I think it's called Lupron.
1: No, I actually don't know. Um, what I will say, um, what I do know about that, though, is it was originally developed for um, what we would say is a precocious puberty, where a uh, usually like a female around the age of six or younger might go through puberty. And so it was, it was developed um, to have them delay their puberty by giving them extra hormones That would stop their, you know, glands from recognizing them as much and be able to progress later on. Um, So I know that was the original intent. Whether it has been used for that, I'm actually not sure.
0: I have one more question for you guys, and that is, from your perspective, how should we speak to lawmakers about the issue of transgenderism?
2: So I think it kind of goes back to the point I mentioned in regards to uh, specifically the one white woman who tried to run this African-American organization and that one man in Canada who tried to legally change his age to 20 years younger. The farther we take this when it comes to affirming these things that simply are not true, the more legal and ridiculous problems we're going to run into. Uh, for example, I haven't we haven't even touched on it yet, but... Um, biological males in sports is such a travesty for what's going on like for example leah thomas absolutely demolishing these records by ridiculous amounts i mean she won one of her races by over 20 seconds for reference winning by a second is considered like a that's a pretty good win and just like completely obliterating all the records that have been set you realize there's a reason why women biological women have not passed those records and there's a reason why those sports are separated for biological females and biological males because once you start denying that there are inherent biological differences between males and females then you end up in this whole world of confusion where basically everything is arbitrary and doesn't really matter anymore Uh, One example of, I'm not sure if it was the Olympics or just another large competition. Uh, There were several female athletes from, it was either Central American or South American countries in which they were actually not allowed to compete in certain sprints. I think that's what it was. I knew it was some running thing. I believe it was sprints uh, because their natural testosterone levels were too high. So it no, nothing enhancement, nothing added in. It's literally just their biological, natural amount of testosterone their body would produce was higher than this typical female, and it gave them a leg up on their competitors. And because of that, they were not allowed to compete for certain events. And
0: these were actual biological women? They were
2: actual biological women, totally normal in every other sense. They just naturally produced more testosterone. And so my point is, if just these women who, again... Biological women from every other standpoint had an unfair leg up just from having a little bit higher than the average woman. How much more than these males who have gone through puberty as a male, as already mentioned, they have different bone structure. They typically get taller. They typically end up having more muscular development. Um, the bones literally uh, get stronger where they attach to the muscle because they're used to like more force and more exertion. There are just so many inherent differences. You're basically going through a losing battle if you're spending the rest of the time trying to say they are the same. There's a reason they're separated. Because, it's, again, inherent biological characteristics. And again, once you start saying that you can switch sex, then you can say you can switch race, then you can say you can switch um, your age. And once one of those things become meaningless, essentially they all become meaningless.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I may add uh, to the lawmakers, a lot of this stuff is... uh you know, just so polarized. Um, but when it comes down to it, the point of the law, the point of the government is, I, w- I would say it boils down to protecting the innocent. Um, it may feel like in, you know, supporting transgenderism, you're helping them. You know, that's why the whole gender affirming therapy is coming about, because they think that they're helping. But truly, it is not. Um, it's going against all of what we've found so far, and puberty suppression is not helping. Um, it's damaging um, in many cases, actually. Um, in even long-term cases, it can even bring, you know, sterility where they can't even reproduce anymore. Um, but when we break it down and we, set, when we when we realize that this is not a biological issue at its core but is something that is uh, psychological um, or emotional or relational, we should treat it psychologically emotionally or relationally not biologically um so just if you truly are you know willing to help people and to protect the innocent sometimes that will involve having to protect them from you know themselves Um, they might not even know what's best for them and it seems that many doctors and therapists right now don't know what's best for them Um, but we should work with what we do know and if we know that it's a a psychological issue, we should help them psychologically and emotionally. Because a mm. little
0: five year old would want to run out in the middle of the street when a semi is coming. Right. And loving them is actually taking them out of the street when the truck is coming, no matter if they want to stay in the street or not.
1: Um, I think just the last thing that I would say we've um, talked about it a couple times already, but um, there are going to be a lot of times where people, you know, try to make this a confusing topic. Um, we've mentioned Turner syndrome, we've mentioned Kleinfelter syndrome. Um, Those are all chromosomal syndromes. Um, One other huge thing that people are talking about now is um, things like androgen insensitivity syndrome and um, things where it's not a chromosomal issue um, and how we might deal with that. You know, there's actually some documented cases of um, men that we will be born having female parts, but then once they reach puberty, it starts to look more like a male part. And so... People say, well, what do we think about these things? They're all confusing. Um, in the confusion, I just want you to realize all of these cases, and when I say all, I literally mean all of these cases in which we have a problem like this. They are always sterile and infertile, yeah. not able to have kids. Um, and if we're talking about gender and sex, the the whole point of this is to have kids. Um, so if you want to toss that out as like, oh, what about this? This looks like a third gender. Well, I, w- I would say the first question you should ask is, are they able to have kids? And if the answer is no, then we say, probably don't add that as a third gender.
2: And then I would say my only caveat to that is they are, then they are classified as intersex. Right. So we already do have a classification for that. We do have a way of denoting that. So if you want to essentially say that we have male, female, intersex, that's fine. The sure. highest study I was able to find of like with the highest rates of what, what they call that is... Um, ambiguous genitalia yep. is 1.3 in a thousand mm-hmm. which, wow. which would you go to 0.1 percent a little bit more to so like 0.13 percent of the population so if you really want to change all the pronouns all these laws and all these things for 0.13 percent of the population without just saying calling it intersex and being done i i just think that's Utterly ridiculous because we're sure. not even talking about catering to the one percent. We're talking about catering to the point one three percent, and that was the highest study I was able to find.
1: Right, and, and even with that, then the next the next thing that people will try to do is they'll say, "Well, we have this intersex category, therefore transgenderism should be okay. That you know, gender is fluid, and now I can switch from being a normal man to a normal woman." Um, you know, I would encourage you to go look at these these you know. Transgender surgeries that they're doing in all the cases What I would tell you is they're not actually getting female or male parts They're just mutilating what they already have.
2: Oh, actually one thing I want to mention so as I already talked about the double mastectomy for the top surgery, right the bottom surgery for um, transgender men where essentially you take the um, healthy Vaginal tissue and you try to make essentially a pseudo phallic Mm -hmm. Um, organ is one of the most (laughs) dangerous surgeries it is ridiculously painful it's an incredibly low success rate and then in addition with all this mutilation mutilation you're doing at the end of it there is still a high chance that you will still not be satisfied with how it looks because of course it's completely fabricated and so imagine going through all this Terribly dangerous, terribly problematic. In fact, a lot of transgender men don't undergo bottom surgery simply for that reason, because it's such a problematic thing. You run to the situation in which, is it really beneficial to undergo all this and realize at the end of the day that you could still be completely, essentially, you still have that cognitive dissonance. You still have that thing of being unhappy with yourself, unhappy with the way you look. Because you still know it's not real. No matter how much you're doing no matter how many surgeries you're going through, at the end of the day, you still know it's not real.
0: And we Christians would call that a conscience. Exactly. So I think that about wraps up our entire discussion. And I want to thank you guys so much for being willing to do this and um, coming on here with me. Until next time, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. And I don't have a quote for this section, but all I'll say is...
2: Oh, I guess I think a great way to end it is just... It is important to realize that these people who are dealing with gender dysphoria and dealing with, who identify in the transgender community, are not inherent bad people. They are people who genuinely need support and help and love, and you need to be able to help them through that. But also keep in mind that that doesn't mean that you have to say they are correct. You don't have to help them by engaging in their, by affirming their delusion. Like for example, you don't help someone with anorexia by saying, "Oh yeah, you you're so overweight. You look morbidly obese." Mm. That is not loving. No. You but you are indeed infirming their delusion. But that doesn't make it okay. What you need to do is again just be loving for them, supporting them, and just realizing that most of them, I would say, the vast vast majority of them, did not choose to be in this situation no
0: it's just the it's a result of the fall and it's the particular temptation that they have
2: exactly right yes and
1: right and exactly what you're saying love does not require acceptance
0: actually love is telling them the truth and a friend loves at Mm -hmm. all times so if you are a friend of someone who is struggling with this dysphoria the best way to help them is to be lovingly telling them the truth Mm -hmm. i think that's a great way to end thank you james thank you tommy and um until next time this is self-evident